I'm Mike. I'm Austin. We are the Test Drivers. And we put tech through its paces. Happy New Year, one and all. It's time for some new smartphones again. (laughs) So we're going to talk about Samsung. There's a Samsung event coming up. We probably know everything because that's how Samsung (laughs) tends to go with their events. But... We have some things to open the new year of the show. There was something, we had a little bit of a break. Uh, again, so Happy New Year to everybody. We took a couple of weeks off for the holidays. And I noticed you tweeting about uh, your Z Flip uh, coming apart at the seams. Mm. What happened? No, 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 no. Okay, don't slander the Z Flip gang <laughs> like that. It didn't come apart. Um, so as we've discussed in the past, Unlike the original Z Flip, the Z Flip 5G shipped with a plastic screen protector pre-applied, right? Mm -hmm. It's one of those things where you could remove it, but they recommend just leave it alone, let it do its thing. And that's something nice, right? Like, I know with the the first Z Flip, I had, like, some minor scratching. Nothing bad. I had, like, a little bit of a scratch from probably my right thumb, honestly, from just where I had been scrolling sometimes. But, yes, over the break, I woke up, I opened my Z Flip, and on both of the corners of the crease the screen protector had bubbled up in a pretty noticeable way. We'll, we'll have the link in the show notes. So I was going to live with it. I was like, okay, whatever. I tried to like push it back in place. It lasted 24 hours. I was like, no, no. I had to just rip it off. It's fine. I'd, spoiler alert. I removed the screen protector. No damage. Completely fine. Hmm. I assume because I had left my Z Flip on a wireless charger overnight, which to be fair, I charge it on a wireless charger at least a few times a week. I assume that maybe it got a little warm and that was what kind of caused it to bubble up because it had went from zero bubbles the day before to both corners were bubbled in the same way. That's what's so weird to me. So like basically it's on the seam. The, mm-hmm. There's like a little bit of a dent usually where the screen goes in. And what it seems like is that along the seam, the screen protector has lifted um, so maybe like it bubbled in the middle and it just spread and popped two ends out or something, but it's super weird to have done them both just all of a sudden one day. Yeah. But this is what it takes, right? Like, so like, it's kind of interesting because there aren't many people in the, in the tech space, both YouTube podcast that are using foldable phones as dailies. Like you're maybe one of the only people that I know that does it. And this is one of the things that, that you're doing is like, what are these devices like to, to use after six months, after a year? Because yeah. rather than just the first couple of weeks, and like you're in that very slim market of people that are actually using it as a daily phone every day. And this is one of the weird things that happens. The screen protector just pops off on its own one day. Absolutely. And it's it's funny you mention that because we're actually coming up on a year, not only of the Test Drivers podcast, mm-hmm. but of the Z Flip gang experience, right? I mean, yep. our first episode was talking about the Z Flip launch, right? I mean, that was February of last year. I actually don't think we spoke about the Z Flip in the first episode because... Did we really? We recorded <gasps> it. Oh, you're right. Oh, I totally forgot. Because yeah. you, you had an embargo on the... The Samsung S20. So we did it about that. And then we ended up recording our second episode and we spoke about the Z Flip then because we hadn't seen it at that point. Right. You have such a better memory than I do. Okay, so almost every single episode of the podcast has been about Z Flip. Yep. But I'm 
I'm happy. I mean, obviously, long-term, sort of. The Z Flip, I think, has held up really well. And one screen protector is not going to keep me from being sad. And honestly, when I removed the screen protector, I realized how bad of a screen protector it was because it's plastic. Not only is the feel of the phone a lot better with that ultra-thin glass, but the clarity of the display, I feel like not it only do I have... way nicer in the pictures. <laughs> it does yeah. look nicer, right? Like, it's, it's more vivid. There's more contrast there. I'm curious, though, so... With the Z Flip, I know we're going to a little bit later on in the episode talk about kind of like our, our daily setups going into 2021. But how are your how is your Z Flip holding up? Because you're still rocking the 4G, which is approaching a full year where I kind of jumped ship to the 5G mm. a few months ago. How is yours holding up? Well, right now it's locked away in my studio. No! And wait, wait. I'm in lockdown at home. So oh. at the moment it's holding up pretty nicely in a drawer. <laughs> But oh, that's so sad. What I'll say is, it, but the thing that has persisted for me with the Z Flip, I don't use mine every day like you do. I, I kind of will take it out and play with it for a, for a little bit or whatever, see what's going on, like check out the updates, see what's changed, all that kind of stuff, right? Like it's more of a, um, it's more of a curiosity for me than a than a daily phone. And the thing that I, every time I use this thing, I am taken immediately back to like the first time I used it where it mm. feels different. Like I still get that feeling like for you, I'm sure the Z flip feels pretty normal at this point. Like it's your daily experience, but whenever I use it, I continue to be struck by its difference to other products that I've used, right? Like it's nothing like my iPhone. It, you operate it differently. You hold it differently. I play with it differently. Um, it continues to be a a thing that I really enjoy, but ultimately it's just that Android is just not where I want to be mm. daily. Yeah, I hear that. I mean, I actually do agree. I still get some of that feeling too. Not so much. You're right. Like when I use it every day, you know, it's it's just kind of my phone. But especially when like I had like my my flirtation with the Pixel, it was one of those things where every time I picked up the Z Flip, I was like, oh. Right. Yeah. That's why I like this phone. It's one of those things that's hard to explain, but it's got that, it's almost like it's got like the character, right? That so many phones these it's days. It's different. Yeah. It, everything's so sterile. It's nice mm-hmm. to have something that just sort of, it's it's a flippy boy, right? You can't, you can't, you can't be sad with a little flippy boy. I mean, I understand the issue that you've had in 2020 of like, you get all of these other phones and they're all really cool mm-hmm. and really mm-hmm. like, high spec and powerful and they've got better cameras better processors but once you're used to that form factor of the z flip that's going to be hard to break for for the same operating system right where it's like Mm -hmm. you you could move you could have a different iphone you could maybe move to the iphone and that would be fine but if you're moving from android phone to android phone that's a that's a really big pull that a more regular smartphone has to do for you to pull you away from that that change in form factor oh absolutely i feel like at this point i'm allergic to large smartphones right like i use like yeah <laughs> like i use my wife's like 12 pro max i'm like what is this an ipad what are you mm-hmm. doing You're like <laughs> well your wife has the correct phone yeah, yeah 12 okay. pro max is okay. the best iphone Okay, sure, sure. Uh, we also spoke about your Pokemon card uh, problem and... Pro- excuse me, problem? Sorry, your Pokemon card situation. Um, uh, uh, 
Uh, yeah, okay. There's actually not a lot of good words to describe this. <laughs> so we spoke about that last time, and then you have since uh, started opening some boxes on Twitch. And I think you've only yes. done this once, right? I have, yes. So I kind of like rigged together a sort of janky setup at the at the office during break, or sorry, at my home office during break. But yeah, no, it was fun. It was nice to be able to do it. Um, surprising no one, I have continued my uh pokemon card quest i have um <clears throat> quite extensive spreadsheets about my purchases and pulls and Whoa, graded cards and spreadsheets uh, <laughs> tell me about these spreadsheets <laughs> i want to know because i keep a, a, an inventory of my keyboard stuff in notion oh okay okay yeah. So I'm using Google Sheets like I do for most all of my spreadsheets. <laughs> it's a Google like Doc. Everything goes in a Google Doc. <laughs> no, no. A sheet. A sheet. Okay. It's totally different. It's uh, it's its own dedicated sheet. Um, no, I keep track of the cards I purchase, yep. the cards that I've sent in to get graded, the boxes, the Elite Trainer boxes and the booster boxes that I purchased. Oh, so you've sent some for grading. Yes. So actually, I've already sent one batch in about a month ago, and I've got my second batch of cards, which I'm sending in this weekend, actually. So and how long is that going to take? Uh, a long time? I hopefully will get them back this year. Oh, oh whoa. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, uh, hmm. I, I think, uh, so the last batch of cards that I was talking to a friend who he got his back, it was about eight months. And I know that there are more people submitting now than there were eight months ago. This reminds me of like the way that things have gone in keyboards since I've gotten into it, where it's like, this was a thing that ran and there were people that were doing it. And then all mm -hmm. of a sudden the world looked at it and manufacturing and production just fell off a cliff. Right. So like yeah. keycap sets went from being taken like three to six months to being made to 12 to 18 because there was just too much demand on a limited supply. Because like the issue that the grading companies are going to have is like you can't just like scale the operation because you need the people and whatever techniques, machinery they're using. And the experience, I guess, is probably their biggest hurdle, right? Of like knowing what to look for. It's not really that scalable. Mm-hmm. And I know that they've invested in like sort of like robots and like scanning machines, but I think there's huh. a certain element of this, which it requires a person has to look at each card yep. and yep. look at yep. it and go, is this authentic? How like there's some subjective qualities to the the print and the the centering, all this kind of stuff. So it's fine. I'm in Pokemon for the long haul. I'm <laughs> sure we will have many, many annoying updates that everyone's gonna hate when we talk no, about my super no, cool no. people love this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> what's the best card you've sent for grading what is like Ooh. the one that you have your highest hopes on uh i got a rainbow pikachu v max uh that i pulled over the break actually yeah i saw that one yeah that's uh that's definitely the best one i have pulled since i have gotten back into into the cards so that is in this batch of cards to be graded the gigantamax one or the yes so the one it's like the big the chunky pikachu Chunkachu, yes, yeah. yes. The Rainbow Chunkachu is, that is, I almost lost my mind when uh, that was pulled. I was uh, very excited. So this is very why you excited. need to stream it. Like, imagine, I would love to have seen that. Oh. Right? <laughs> I literally took my hat off, threw it across the room, jumped up, and started running around. Like, it took me a couple <laughs> minutes to realize what I had done with my hat. I was so excited. 
<laughs> so what are we talking here then if this is like well graded? If it comes back as a PSA 10, uh, it could be worth twelve to $1,500. And that's just now. And this is a new card, right? This is a new card that came yeah. out in November of 2020. So yes, uh, obviously more and more people are going to pull it. So values are going to go wherever, but very rare card, very sought after card. And uh, yeah, I'm very happy once that gets graded to to get it nice and displayed in the office is uh, one of my better pulls. But I've been going deep, man. I've been going to like local card shops. I've been ordering oh, all kinds of stuff. It's it's fun. I've been having a ton yep. of fun I have, with it's it. It's the same thing with me with the keyboard stuff. It's like collecting, hunting stuff down, build, putting it together. Like it's these these are these are hobbies. These are definite hobbies. Yes. How has your streaming setup been though? Because you're at home now, right? Because you yeah. had your entire streaming setup at the office. Yes, I had everything at my studio, um, and now I've brought some element of it to home. Basically, I've brought most of the component parts home. Um, I'm actually kind of pleased that I hadn't yet built my PC. Oh, you're right. Because still doing everything on the laptop is useful in that regard because now I don't have to bring all of that home. I can just keep doing it on the laptop for now. Um, yeah. And this is a good thing because like in a way, like the, the if there's a silver lining on being at home for the next two to three months, um, I'm going to like slowly do the PC build. Like I'm just going to slowly amass parts rather than spending all that money at once. So we're mm-hmm. going to talk about that in the coming episodes because I, I want a bit of advice for you for a few things. Um, but basically, I've been able to bring all the gear. Uh, just the lighting's real bad in my like home office. Yeah. So I'm just going to work on that. I'll yeah. find a way to work on that. I, I don't want to go wild with it. Like I, I'm not yet. I'm still working on, on a lot of like the branding stuff. I just had some really cool custom uh, alerts done. They're so great. I'm so excited nice. about it. Um, so that's the kind of where I am with it now. And I'm still trying to stream once a week and I'm just going to work it out as I go along. But it, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that I was able to go get all the gear because I would have been really bummed out to not be able to do any streaming or any keyboard projects over the next couple of months. I just think about your poor, sad Z flip waiting for you just like I'm back in abandoned this episode is brought to you by Pingdom while you've been listening to this show how would you know if your website had gone down would you know if your customers couldn't click that buy now button or access your latest post you could stumble across it by luck you could have somebody email you but that's no good you want a reliable system you need something to tell you that everything is running smoothly on your website and more importantly when it isn't that's why you need Pingdom Pingdom detects around 13 million outages online every single month that's more than 400,000 a day and this is just at the websites that they're monitoring so Pingdom is there they're detecting it you've got a problem they're going to let you know Pingdom helps keep your sites and the sites that you love online. It doesn't matter if you're a startup or a Fortune 500 company, you need alerts about critical web issues. Pingdom will also let you customize how and who is uh, alerted depending on the severity of the outage. So maybe a push notification to Mary, an email to Bob, that kind of thing. Plus, they'll track and analyze your website's load time so you can see what's affecting user experiences. If you have a site of any size, you need Pingdom, and they have a no-fuss approach to get started. All they need is the URL that you want to monitor, and they'll take care of the rest. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM to get a 30-day free trial with no credit card required. Then when you sign up, use the code TESTDRIVERS at checkout to get a huge 30% of your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of this show and RelayFM. 
So there's a Samsung event coming up, Samsung Unpacked. This is Samsung's first Unpacked of the year, of course. January 14th, 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern. I mean, it's probably safe to assume this is going to look and feel very much like the uh, Unpacked of the end of the year, some pre-recorded video, some description, you would assume, right? Yeah, it's weird because this is, to my knowledge, the earliest Unpacked they've ever done. I mean, this is essentially like a CES announcement. I know it's not actually uh-huh, attached to yeah. CES, but I mean, it's pretty much, I mean, we're, we're in the middle of January, right? So I'm going to be very curious to see what's going on here. My assumption is, is that they were just sort of ahead of schedule with maybe like the, the Snapdragon processors or something. Because typically these announcements are May, or sorry, not May. <laughs> typically they're February. Yep. And sometimes they roll over into March for the actual on-sale dates. But this year it seems like everything is way ahead of schedule, which is great, cool. Um, I'm curious to see though what they actually have and whether that they have a Z Flip 2. <clears throat> uh, well, mm. Or three. <laughs> sorry, what was that? Depending on how uh, you look at it. <laughs> Or maybe oh, they just rename it not- like they did the fold, <laughs> right? It's like the ZX gotta, flip we, now. Oh, oh. Actually, ZX is not a terrible bit of branding, but Samsung, we got to talk about some names here because yeah, supposedly the do? phones that are being announced. Are we going to go like, is it going to go <laughs> S21? I noticed what everyone's calling it, but are we, so we just went from what? What, what? what was the number? Was it S20? What was the, it, no, but before 20, how far did they get? 10. 10. So we're in from 10 so to went, 20, and now we go 21. <laughs> like, yeah. okay. So, <laughs> right? Galaxy S, Galaxy S2, S3, S4, S5, S6, S7. What if they go, I, I got it. What about Samsung Galaxy Series S? <laughs> <laughs> I think <laughs> another company has that branding. Oh, darn it. Samsung uh. Galaxy Series S1. That's what they're going to go with. Uh, so look, like everything, like all, like basically every single Samsung event, everything has been leaked beforehand. It seems like the designs seem pretty, um, pretty out there now. What do you th- actually? Let's let's talk about the naming first. What are we looking at? S twenty one, S twenty one plus, S twenty one Ultra. Do you reckon that's where we're going to end up? Yeah, so all the leaks seem pretty clear that it's a continuation of last year's. So you know. The S21 is roughly the same kind of size and shape as the S20. The Plus is the mid-range model. And the Ultra is the bonkers, overkill, I'm sure very expensive Mm -hmm. version of the flagship. Uh, That's fine. I mean, I think that branding is pretty clear. I think that Samsung has clearly had some success with the Ultra between the Note Ultra as well as the the S20 Ultra. That, That makes sense, right? But what I'm curious about is that these leaks have been consistent right like i believe we're hearing a lot of the same things but what i'm kind of curious about is what's behind this because it seems like and again we're recording this before the actual announcement it seems like samsung have made some i don't want to say bad choices but choices some choice yeah interesting They've made interesting some would be the way i would describe it so i think one of the big ones right is apparently the rumors are suggesting some of these phones will have 1080p displays on them now they're going to what seems like completely flat displays like the iPhone, right? It, which is interesting because Samsung have really been pushing the uh, infinity displays over the last few years. But it seems like overall they look nice, but but maybe aren't the best for functionality. 
So it seems like they're going to go completely flat. But it seems like we're looking at 1080p displays. And I'm really confused about this. So WinFuture was, I think, the first site to pick this out. And they're saying that the S21 and the S21 Plus is looking at a 2400 by 1080 display. And uh, the that basically, we were looking at 1440 before. So we're going down to 1080p, which is really interesting. It's not just that we're downgrading from last year. Do you know the first Samsung Galaxy S device that launched the 1440p display? It was the S6 in 2015. This huh. has been a standard on Galaxy S models since 2015. Six years of 1440p displays. And now all of a sudden we're going to 1080. There's a lot of nuance here if this is true which again a lot of these leaks have been sort of very much consistent and yep. it's not crazy right i mean they certainly shipped a 1080p display on what was it the standard note 20 i believe yeah i think so and then also the rumors are suggesting 120 and 60 hertz refresh rates like their predecessors like i was wondering if the reason they were going to 1080 is because they were going to do something better with the refresh rate like they had to somehow make the screen worse to make it better. You know what I mean? Like maybe they were going to go like 120 as standard all the time on a 1080 display or something when I first saw it. Yeah. But then the more I read about it, the more confusing it became to me. Yeah. Because so a 1080p display, right? You might think like, why, why is that an issue? And for me, the thing that I've really noticed this year, so... Google and Apple came together and finally got uh, 4K on YouTube on the iPhone. And I now watch most of the videos from the, especially the tech channels that I like at 1440p. And I can really see the difference on my iPhone between 1080 and 1440, big time, way yeah. more than I thought I would. And honestly, for me, way more than like 720 to 1080. Like I, I flick between them and to, the the detail that you get on a phone, I mean, watching it at 4K, I don't see any difference between 1440, but 1440 for me really feels like the sweet spot for these devices. And these phones wouldn't be capable of that. So there's a lot of complication here. So if we just assume that the rumors are true, and it does seem like the Ultra might still have a 1440p display. Yeah. So specifically like the, the S21 and the Plus, so like the, the mid-range options would have a 1080p display. So there are a few things. First of all, for many years now, they actually, the phones have shipped at 1080p 60 out of the box, right? So mm -hmm. you have to go in and manually bump up the resolution and bump up the frame rate. And famously, last year, when they incorporated these 120 hertz displays, which are, of course, so much smoother, they don't support that at the full resolution, right? So mm -hmm. previously, you would have to choose 1080p at a very smooth 120 frames per second or 1440p, the sharper looking everything on the display, but only at 60, right? That was a weird trade-off. And this year, I just expected them to, like OnePlus has done for a while, give you the full 1440p, 120, and call it a day. But instead, what I assume they're doing is they look at the, the info and like, okay, look, no one ever turns on 1440, and the people who do want to you know, tweak the settings are typically going for 1080p, 120, so we're just going to save a few bucks, right? I, I bet they this, ship this, at 1080, 60. Maybe. I bet they I wouldn't do. be surprised. It's just like an option to like turn it up to the the like dynamic refresh rate uh -huh. or whatever later. So here's the thing, right? We've had, and this is only one of several things that have been questionably downgraded on these new phones, but 
for years, we have had features removed in the sake of improving and, and pushing the industry forward, right? Mm-hmm. So think about the headphone jack, right? That was removed to make space for more battery, et cetera, et cetera. Things like the charger in the box. Oh, it's because we're going to oh, be... Oh, yeah, they're getting rid of that. Yeah, like a lot of these things uh, have made sense. Like the fingerprint sensor is being removed in favor of face ID or uh, in-display fingerprint sensor, right? Like there are reasons for these technological leaps in, in advancements. Lowering the quality of your display does not improve anyone's experience yep. beyond the price tag. The only thing that I have considered is that there's some new display technology going on here that we don't know, right? Like, that's my only mm. outside, because there's all these new, like, new display yeah. technologies I keep hearing about, right? Stuff like mini-LED and all that kind of stuff. And I'm not suggesting that they have that in these phones, but it's, like, the only thing I could assume that they're like, okay, so we've had to reduce the resolution, but the display is better in all these ways. But I don't think that's yeah. what's going on here. I think it's pretty clear what's going on here, that they are worsening the cheaper phones to sell more of the expensive ones. Well, so there are two ways they could go about this, right? And again, we're going to talk more. There are other cutbacks and whatnot on the phone. But just talking about the the screens right now, there are two ways they could go with this. They are either using a cheaper panel to make more profit or they're attempting to lower the price of the phone to better compete with the iPhone. Because let's not forget, the S20 last year was incredibly expensive. The base model S20 started at $1,000, right? And they went up from there. I believe the Ultra was like, 1400 or just something like obscenely expensive, right? If they are dropping a little bit of resolution that honestly most people weren't really using, and in, in exchange they are lowering the price of the phone, I am maybe not okay with that, but at least it's more understandable. The problem is a lot of these rumors are pegging the phone as just as expensive. And if that's true, I am not going to be happy. This This just to me feels like a really... I struggle with the words because like, it's not ultimately something that matters hugely. Like, obviously, 1440p, like you were saying, it looks better. I always prefer the higher refresh rate. But it's weird to me that a product that they have been making for years, that this is their flagship, that, you know, they incorporated this 1440p feature back years ago, years and years and years ago. Now is the point where they take it back. And if they don't lower the price, what are we getting for? It's just, it's very strange. I I have a little theory, which is bouncing off your idea of the um, trying to compete with the iPhone on price. I wonder if the S20 FE sold pretty well for them, and they're just like, mm. all right, we're going to make the base S21 just like that. Because they're also saying, the old rumors are also suggesting that these uh, phones are going to be made of, of plastic. Which So on the plastic thing, I know that I was very critical of that in the... Which one was it? <laughs> the S, the Note Twenty. I, I think there's a Note Twenty. Note Twenty. That was it. The Note Twenty was made of plastic. And then the FE afterward also had plastic. Yeah, which to be fair, it's not like normal plastic. I had no problem with the FE because it was a cheaper phone. But the Note Twenty started at like a thousand dollars. I'm mm. not paying a thousand dollars for a plastic pack phone. I'm just, I'm not doing that. It's, that's wild to me. Um, you yeah. you have to if it's going to not be glass if you're going to make it out of something else you have to show me why that's better and I just don't think that they even bothered to do that but so for example if they sell a I don't know six fifty six hundred and fifty dollar S twenty one with a plastic back I'd be Ooh. fine with that. Well, yeah, I mean that would be very aggressive. Yep. I, 
I kind of doubt that they're going to go that cheap. Right? I mean, it's where I, the iPhone starts. It's not too far off it. Yeah, I mean, that would undercut even the mini. I think these rumors are pegging it at a lot closer to $1,000, maybe a little less than that, I would hope. Um, I don't know. There's just the thing is, okay, so let's just go through what is supposedly missing from the S21, right? Okay. So, of course, no charger in the box, which I actually think is a little bit more important for the Samsung devices. Because, let's look, let's be real. The chargers that Apple included with the iPhone were kind of not particularly great anyway, right? A lot of them were like USB-A. I know that they switched over sort of for the, yep. the 11 or whatever, but that wasn't a huge loss. The Samsung chargers are actually pretty good and high quality. So, like, that being missing is... Not a deal breaker, but unfortunate. The fact that we may be working with plastic, which I don't have quite as negative of a connotation. Some of the plastic backs they're using are much more premium than like the generic cheapy stuff. And it's more durable. Like I'm okay with that. But if they're shipping a lower quality or lower resolution display, supposedly they're also dropping the micro SD card slot. There are also rumors that it's going to ship with less RAM, which again is not a Hmm. big issue. But the fact that they're lowering... Could be. It's... All these things, when you add them up, to me, if they're charging full price for this phone, it seems like a cash grab. And the thing is, like, normally I would say, no, of course, they're cutting the price. Like, this this seems very obvious that they're moving the S21 down market. But then you look at what they did with that Note 20, shipping it at $1,000, and it had all of these cutbacks and more in some cases. I I don't know. I really don't know what they're doing with this this year. Because it also seems like, from the rumors, that the camera system is, is basically unchanged as well. Yes. In fact, I know that there was some talk about the the, the time of flight sensor maybe being removed yep. on some devices. Maybe it's like an ultra exclusive thing. I, I don't know. I don't no really care that, that much. Most, then. <laughs> yeah. But again, I don't want to see removing features because you know what we're not hearing about? All the things that they're doing to improve it. Right? Like, right. I mean, the, the leaks look great. Like, I mean, I, I like the design I language. I beautiful. And the, the purple yeah. one with the gold uh, camera, mm-hmm. like sh- I don't even know what to call this. We're gonna have to give that a name. I don't know what you call that, <laughs> right? Because like it's not really a bump anymore. It's like yeah, I don't like a, I don't I haven't got a word for it yet. But this like little <laughs> ridge that sits in the corner. I think it's quite an attractive way to embrace that. Um, mm-hmm. the, you know that these phones have to have these bumps on them. I think that it looks nice. Um, and I'm expecting that, like, it, it's matching the like the aluminium rail or whatever. Like, it's kind of extending it from there. I think it's quite an attractive way uh, to do it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I want to see the full story here. You know, leaks are only so much, right? I want to see the full story yeah. because this seems to me like a pretty weird phone. It's also another like another curiosity. I saw this on the Verge that. There is a S Pen accessory for the S21 Ultra. Um, you need a case to put it in because the phone doesn't have a place to put it. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I was wondering, like, is this a consolidation of the Note line? I don't have any clue. It's weird to me. Like, I mean, look, I, I will say that I've never been a massive fan, or at least not for many years. I haven't been a huge fan of the Note line. I feel like it comes far too late in the year. It's not a big step up over what you could have bought with, you know, the standard S line. I like the fact that they're bringing S Pen support. I find it a little weird if they do end up only bringing it to the Ultra because it seems like why would you not just also give that to the other phones? Unless, again, that they're trying to really 
put more differentiation between the price points of the devices. Because like last year, the Ultra was a lot more expensive, but you got more for it. Maybe they're trying to just stretch out the differences so that sort of each bump along the line makes more sense. I don't know, but it's cool. I don't necessarily think it's going to be the most useful thing to carry around an extra S Pen with you. But, I mean, if you've got a little case or there's maybe like mm-hmm. a magnet to drop it on the back or whatever, like that's that's a nice feature that certainly people will appreciate. But the thing is, that's one of the very few things that we're hearing that are new. Of course, we have to wait and see, and I'm sure there's going to be lots of software features and this and that. But unless they lower the price of these phones, I don't see this being a big step forward when they're taking so many steps back. Why would they do it? This It's weird, right? Like I, I watched a, a great video by Dave 2D and he, Dave's position, which I can, I think I can subscribe to, is like this is the beginning of Samsung pulling back on the regular phones so the foldable phones become more attractive. Mm, I can buy that, right? Think about Samsung as a mobile phone company, right? Like yep. They have been dominant in the space. I mean, not dominant, but they've been very well positioned in the space for a long time, right? And I they're mean, always on the edge. Yeah, Absolutely. They make so many of the components, the displays, all this kind of stuff. But the problem is, is that as phones become so homogenous and so just samey, right, the the difference between buying your your OnePlus and your Samsung and your Oppo, like all these phones are kind of becoming good enough that there aren't these huge differentiations. Mm. But what you look at Samsung, what they do have going for them is a killer foldable lineup that is legitimately years ahead of anyone else in the space, right? Like no one is even touching Samsung right now. And I think if they're smart and they're looking at the potential here, that's their premium lineup going forward, right? And maybe, Dave is right, maybe they're going to move the S line down and it's going to get a little bit cheaper and it's going to compete better with the iPhone. And instead, they're going to focus a lot of their R&D resources and honestly just their big budget sort of like $1,500, $2,000 devices, all that kind of stuff, instead of making that as the Ultra or whatever, that's going to be the Z Flip 2 or 3 or that's going to be the Fold or that's going to be some maybe slightly cheaper foldable. I can buy that. It's still weird to me, but that only makes sense if they're not being greedy and they're actually going to lower the price. If they keep all the S line as very expensive and they kind of artificially kneecap it to make your foldable look better, I would not be on board with that at all. That would be super scummy. So my my outside theory here, like just building on what Dave suggested, is that, this S21 line with bringing the S Pen to the Ultra could start to suggest the end of the Note. And Mm. Samsung's second unpacked event every year Mm -hmm. will focus on their foldable devices. Because... Interesting. They always would have have these two lines, right? One at the beginning, one at the end. And the one at the end was always the higher-priced phones. Mm-hmm. And so they would have these two hits every year and they have two sets of customers. And so they don't need two lines of expensive phones anymore, right? They don't need the note line and the foldable line. They can have the one line at the beginning of the year, which is their kind of flagship. This is what a phone looks like. But also, by the way, there's a super expensive version of it. And then later on in the year, phones that look completely different. So they're actually shipping two to three different uh, designs every year that are significantly different from each other, other than a part of the the way that you know the notes they have mm-hmm. some different design, but they're not so different from yeah the you know you yeah. can you can draw a line between them, but it's going to start to get even harder to draw a line between the S twenty one and then the, the Z lines. 
So I think my my outside bet would be we get the S line and we get the Z line and the note is no more. Well, especially because we've heard rumors that in addition to the supposed S21 getting the S Pen, we may even see an S Pen included in the next Z Fold, right? Which I think there would probably be enough space yep. inside that huge foldable phone and you have the bigger canvas. And it makes so much sense at that point because the Note customer is a very specific type of customer for Samsung, right? They are a, mm-hmm. I expect, very devoted customer, right? It kind of makes sense to me to offer that customer two products, but they're not note products. You get the Ultra with the pen or you get the Z Fold with the pen. And I would expect they move quite a lot of that note base to the Fold because that is a vastly superior product for that customer, right? Mm -hmm. That you have a large screen on the front if they can continue making that work and continue building on that. Now, you want to take notes? How about you take notes on a little tablet instead, right? Way better yeah. than taking them on a, on a phone screen. But we have more about... Actually, I want to talk about the folders a bit more because there's a little bit more to this. Uh, but let's take a break and we'll come back and talk about the Z Flip, obviously. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, like, look, we ever stopped talking about it? <laughs> this episode is brought to you by... Sync Up, a OneDrive podcast. I love finding new podcasts. I love grabbing a show and going through the back catalog and getting caught up and learning something new, getting some entertainment. If you're looking for a new show to listen to, Sync Up takes you behind the scenes of OneDrive so you can learn about how to connect your files and share your documents and work from anywhere, which is becoming more and more important in today's world. You'll also get to hear about the design and development side of things. What are the decisions that go in to making these products used by millions of people? Every single episode covers a dedicated topic, guest interviews, news and announcements, and a special topic outside of the technology norm. Like, for example, I just listened to their wrap-up of 2020 episode, which, of course, has been a wild year for technology product transitions. And hearing a company like Microsoft talk about how they adapted to the fact that everybody started working from home and needed more support is really fascinating. Uh, The hosts also touch about how they've changed internally as a company to handle the year and the way that they have been able to adapt to hugely changing work environments practically emotionally and help support each other. And then they also shared some of their favorite holiday movies. So there's a lot going on in every episode of Sync Up. Some topics include uh, automation, data security, mobile productivity as well. Go and listen to it right now. Just search for Sync Up wherever you get your podcasts. That's S-Y-N-C-U-P, or just click the link in the show notes. Go and check it out today. Our thanks to Sync Up from Microsoft uh, for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. So as it stands, I can't really find any leaks about a Z Flip update. Okay, so yeah, for context, last year at Unpacked, to be fair, it was February, but you know, the 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 early ish in the year Samsung event. They talked about the S20 line and they're like, hey, by the way, Z Flip, let's go, right? I agree. I think Samsung are one of the companies that are almost easiest to talk about because their lines leak so thoroughly ahead of time. And we're hearing whispers. We're hearing little bits and pieces about the next Z Flip, but I don't think we're going to see it come next week. I think we're going to be looking at it at least a couple months down the line at this point. So here's the question. Do they follow the original uh, release or the second release? So do we get 
the Z Flip in the first unpacked of the year or the second unpacked of the year? Because last year they released one of both of them. <laughs> so I well, think <sighs> it's the second unpacked of the year. So you think we're looking at this like uh, summertime maybe or maybe like early fall? Yeah, I, I think there will not be a Z Flip announced in January. We'll be looking at August or September. Interesting. So uh, the few rumors that I've heard seem to peg potentially a March or April release date, which would be strange. <laughs> How many times did I need to release phones? <laughs> All the times would be what, the answer. I guess if that was the case, and if the note sticks around, they would do January for S21, March mm-hmm. for Z Flip, mm-hmm. August, September for Note 21, and then maybe like October for Z Fold if they stay on last year's schedule. Because the Z Fold just got a tease in an event later on, didn't it? Yes, yes. They, I think they very briefly showed it off. Yeah. yeah, it was a little bit later before we actually got the full detail. The only reason, so the March-April thing, to me, sounds like someone just reverse engineering a schedule and thinking like, hmm, it'll fit here. The only reason why I think that might be accurate and the Z Flip deserves its own full event is if there's a little bit more to it than just a Z Flip 3, which I don't know why, but all the rumors seem to indicate that it's Z Flip 3, even though it was Z Flip Z Flip 5G and then the 3. But Z maybe flip, it's because Z they're flip trying 3G. to... Z Flip 3G. They need good battery life, so they're, they're going all the way back. Uh, I think they're just probably trying to, like, sort of coordinate their branding so that they bring out the Fold 3 and the Flip 3 at the same year. What, I think uh, it makes sense to do that. If they're going to call it... Because they, they bought the Z in front of the Fold. I think it mm-hmm. would make sense to have Z Fold 3, Z Flip 3. I think that would make yeah. sense. And then they can move on from there. The only thing I can think of that would back this up as being like its own dedicated event and and happening relatively soon, you know, in the next couple of months, is if they have multiple Z Flip models, which has been a rumor since the very mm-hmm. beginning that there would be some kind of like Z Flip Lite or Z Flip Neo or something that is, I don't want to say affordable because it's not, but instead of, you know, $1,300, $1,500, potentially there's like a $1,000 model of the phone. And if they're going right. to make a $1,000 foldable, it's going to be a Z Flip, right? Well, it has to be for now. I, I can't imagine a comparable new Z Fold at $1,000 right now. I don't yeah. think that's something they could pull off. If Way the S21's much. 1000 right? Like, you, you mm-hmm. can't sell a Fold for 1000 as well. Exactly. It just doesn't make sense. This is all complete speculation. Um, my thoughts would be if they are going to do this, which... I can't believe, right? I, I I could imagine a Samsung master plan where they look at it and go, okay, S21 line is, you know, that $900 to $1,200 price point. Maybe we have like a budget Z Flip that fits in there somewhere that doesn't have all the same spec as an S21, but, you know, it's still foldable, has a maybe a slightly upgraded design, but who knows? It doesn't have like 120 hertz or 5G or whatever. Like it's maybe slightly sort of, brought back to to cut some costs and then they have the full z flip 3 which i know that there are many features i would like to have on it but i I assume that that would be the way that they would have to position it to get more sort of room in the market because again i feel pretty bullish about samsung and their foldable line obviously as i think we both do but really in the way that this is differentiated samsung from everyone else because no one else is making foldables like they are and you think about, you know, Apple's constantly, you know, we thought for years that Apple was the one who were just kind of pushing prices up and up and up. But 
Apple really hasn't pushed up the prices of the iPhone in several years, right? In fact, they've actually no, they slightly lowered it. Yeah, they, they, exactly. they started to struggle. They got to a point where it was harming them. Um, and mm. they ended up bringing the, not only bringing the price down, but making it easy in a bunch of ways uh, to buy the phone for cheaper prices, uh, to mm-hmm. buy it on contracts and, uh, you know, like get lots of trade-ins, all that kind of stuff. To me, it's like Samsung has an advantage here and that they kind of have that like ultra premium space of, you know, $1,200 plus locked up with foldables, right? Mm-hmm. I doubt that they're selling a ton of them, right? I don't think that the Z Flip and the Fold are flying off shelves or anything, but I bet that they're, they see a lot of potential, right? And so if they do want to go harder on that kind of lineup, they're going to make a couple of Z Flips. They're going to make a couple of Z Folds at different price points, right? Just the way that they've always done the S20 versus the S20 Plus and the Note and everything. And if that all is the case, I could see potentially the Z Flip being deserving of its entirely own event. Maybe it's a little bit smaller than a full unpacked, but there's an entire event dedicated to the new Z Flip Lite and the Z Flip 3. And maybe three months from now, we're rocking brand new Z Flips in our pockets. I mean, I can dream, right? You sure can. Uh, <laughs> listener Lamar <laughs> sent in a great question to us on Twitter. What is your feature wish list for the next Z Flip? So I want to know, I mean, I have a couple, okay. but I don't think mine are particularly imaginative. So I want to know from you first, like, as somebody using these phones every day, what do you want? So I don't want a lot. I am very happy with the Z Flip. I would say, number one, a slightly more refined design. Um, just the way that you look at the Fold 1 versus Fold 2, they did a lot to kind of like tighten things up, sort of shrink like the the camera and bump and make this outer screen bigger, all that kind of stuff. I would love a design like that to come over to the Z Flip, right? So, you know, sprinkle a little S21 in. In fact, so if you oh, take a look at our show notes right now, mm-hmm. I have a link. I okay. wrote in big, bold letters, do not open until we're recording. Open right. that link right now and give me your first impressions. Oh, man. What? Yes, come on. <laughs> That can't Would you like be to describe? Real. Would you like to describe what you're looking at right now? All right. So this is. I don't know if this is. This doesn't look real to me. Um, but it's beautiful. It's so if you if you've seen the S21 design with the funky camera cutout that we've yet to name, it's that with a like a purple frosted glass display of a closed Z Flip. Everything else is gold around it, and you've got like a frosted glass display and a much larger kind of semi-transparent front display, which has a beautiful clock on it and some uh, iconography. Mm. I don't think this is real. I agree. So this is something that I saw. Someone actually had tweeted it to me the other day, and I saw I wanted to send it to you. I actually wanted to see your reaction because I agree. I don't think it's real, but also I can see something like this being fairly representative of what the next Z Flip design language would be. Of course, we'll have it in the the show notes, but that's kind of where my head's at. Something that's a little bit more refined. Uh, Specifically, I would love to have thinner, um, like, sort of edges. So with the current Z Flip, there's a, a bit of a ridge around the display, which is nice, but it does from time to time, like when I'm trying to swipe in from the very side or like it gets in the way a little bit and it just certainly doesn't feel as nice as like a flatter display. So I would like to see something that's been a little bit rounded out more. 
Um, then there's like other stuff like 120 hertz. I think seems like a fairly easy gimme at this point. Um, that outer display would be nice. Uh, zoom in in on this. I can see the Photoshop lens. This is not real. Yeah, like yeah, I, I yeah, I agree. I don't think this is real, but I think this is. They could make something like this, right? Like this doesn't seem like it's crazy. I could imagine them going in this direction. Yes, mm-hmm. the thing that would frustrate me if they did do something like this is. I want a real display on the front. Yeah. Yeah. Not like this this like basically this this display here is just a larger version of the current front display and I don't think that the current front display uh hacks it for the for the phone. Like I would want mm-hmm. a kind of maybe even more like the front display of the Razer. Yeah, yeah, I think that's exactly what it will be because think about like what else can you do? Like you're never going to have a fold size and style display on a z flip it's just too, it's too small right yeah but what i think you can have is something which at least has a little bit more utility than the current display which is not useless but could be far better yeah, you just- could fit full-on playback <laughs> controls for music yep. and audio you could mm-hmm. read messages and have canned responses basically an apple watch Right? Yes. Or yes. like they could build some version of the Galaxy Watch software or whatever. Uh, basically, these the, the front display of this phone should be treated more like a wearable kind of interface. Mm. Yeah, just more than a little ticker tape that shows me, you know, 17 characters of a notification and the ability to use it as a, a selfie yeah. screen, right? Which is nice. I use yeah. that a lot. But like... There's a lot more they could do. So that yeah, would probably be, be my main thing. For a kind of jump like the Z Fold 2 had, yes. where it was like, yeah. clearly the first one, this was the best display you could put on it. Then you put the second edition, is like, this is a very good usable version of what this thing can be. Mm-hmm. Now, the usable version of the Z Flip display, the bar is way lower because. Yeah. Opening the phone and using the phone normally is a much easier thing to do than the Z Fold, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you only need basic stuff. So that's why I kind of think of it of like more like a wearable experience and the things you can do on a watch than the things you do on a on a phone. I would be into that visual, but I, but but yeah, I yeah. Don't think that's this it. this is clearly a concept. I don't think this is like a real leak or anything. But what I do think is we. We could see something similar to this. I also wouldn't mind having better cameras. I will say that that is one thing, especially as yep. someone who's been rocking the 12 mini and the Z Flip side by side. I still use the Z Flip for when I want to like take a selfie. I still use it when I want to like prop it up and kind of like use it as a kind of a, a mini tripod on like all kinds of like objects. Like there's still certain things I will use. And in fact, I still really like the ultra wide, but it has fallen a decent way behind. I think just literally just keeping it up to date with like the S21 spec camera would go a long way and just making it feel more of a 2021 flagship. Yeah, the processor, the camera, battery life, all of those things have room for improvement on mm. the foldable phones in a way that the more regular phones don't get those kinds of jumps anymore because, you know, these things... The the more standard smartphones these days, they're much more feature complete than we give yeah. credit, right? Like, and the the, I mean, <laughs> unless they go backwards, 
so they could go forwards <laughs> but like you know the 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 hardware is much more like all right this is what you've got and now we just play within this very kind of rigid structure but yeah. the, the 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 you know the next form factor the foldable form factor there's way more place to move in there you know like we don't really talk about battery life improvements as a requirement Mm-hmm. anymore but like these phones need them or you know we don't really talk about inexpensive phones processor requirements but these phones need them because they're starting at a lower level to be able to afford everything else that these phones need absolutely and when you're spending this kind of money there are certain sacrifices you can kind of get away with as a bleeding edge early adopter product, as we saw with the first Z Fold or the first Fold specifically. I mean, that thing just straight up would break on you, right? Like that's yeah. the most edge casey you can can kind of get uh, from exactly. an early adopter perspective. I, I think it's time. 2021 is the year where the Z Flip, we can't really make sort of excuses for it yeah i think it needs to step up in screen quality as well i would be curious to see if they can make it in any way a little bit more durable besides just slapping a plastic screen protector on i think it's fine at the moment and the ultra thin glass does a pretty good job if there's any way they can improve that to be a little bit more scratch resistant that would be great but it's not like revolution right like i think it's just if they can do what they did to the fold going from gen 1 to gen 2 to the z flip i will be very happy so money on the table. Okay. Is there going to be a Z Flip of any kind announced on the 14th? No. Yeah, I, I say don't no think we're going to hear it. No. I think it's just going to be S21. It might be like some more like uh, there's some rumors about some like maybe some new Galaxy Buds or whatever. I don't think we're going to see Z Flip for at least I could see potentially Late March, early April is like a possible option. Other than that, I think we're waiting until, you know, mid-year. But I hope, I hope we're looking at like April and we've got Z flips in our pocket. I will be very happy if that's the case. This episode of The Test Drivers is brought to you by Mint Mobile. Look, after the year we've all been through, saving money is on a lot of people's minds. If that's you and you're still paying wild amounts of money every month for wireless, what are you doing? Switching to Mint Mobile is the easiest way to save this year. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you maximize your savings with plans starting at just $15 a month. Austin Evans as an individual who has a Mint Mobile plan going on, can you talk about how easy it is to move over to Mint? I mean, it's incredibly easy, especially if you've got a, a Z Flip in your pocket. The nice thing about Mint is that it really does give you that full experience that you expect with all the coverage and the 5G support. But importantly, you're paying less. Why would you not want to do that? It seems mm-hmm. like a very simple sales pitch. Exactly. Super easy to switch over. You just get the SIM, you pop it in your phone, and you're ready to go. And they make it really easy to do it. They send it all to you so you don't have to go to a store. It's really, really awesome. Look, as I mentioned, we're all thinking about ways that we can be a bit smarter with money. 
and Mint Mobile can make it easy to stick with those savings goals because you can have a little bit extra in your pocket every month. Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for $15 a month by going online only, eliminating those traditional costs of retail and passing those significant savings to you. All of their plans come with unlimited talk and text and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone of any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all of your existing contacts. And if you're not 100% satisfied Satisfied, Mint Mobile has you covered with their seven-day money-back guarantee. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash testdrivers. That's mintmobile.com slash testdrivers to cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month. At one last time, mintmobile.com slash testdrivers. Our thanks to Mint Mobile for their support of this show and Relay FM. So, Believe it or not, CES is happening right now. <laughs> People keep telling me that this is happening, and I don't know what I'm supposed to be looking at. I've gotten a couple of emails from companies that want me to join Zoom calls that I'm ignoring. I want to know, what, as a person who typically does cover CES in detail by being there and it yes. is wild to me to think that in 2020 you were at ces right like that just i can't yeah. get my head around that but you were there um yep. what is ces 2021 looking like a lot of of teams calls a lot of right. zoom calls a lot of online briefings look it's it's definitely less this year, right? What's the point for these companies? Like, why? If they can't have you in person, why are they all mm-hmm. doing it now? Like, they can do it whenever they want, right? I think it's the momentum. I think that okay. just CES has been a thing for so long. People are trying to keep it alive. It's like, you know, so many product plants have, you know, had CES as their launch for, you know, a year or whatever. Like, I think that's a way a lot of companies create concepts and whatnot with the idea that CES is where they show it off, right? It kind of sets the stage for the year. I will say, so I've spent a lot of this week and a lot of these briefings and a lot of the stuff will be announced over the next, you know, next week really is where a lot of it's going to be coming out. Yeah. I mean, it's the usual suspects, right? You see a lot of the same companies you see every year bring out their new lines. Um, there's new products, all that kind of stuff. It's just a little bit like, look, I've been very much on board and we might talk about this later, but like I've been very much on board with how many virtual launch events we've had versus the in-person ones. Because while I like going to some of these events and some of them are helpful, I think that 2020 showed me really clearly that 70% of the events I used to go to can very easily be a 30-minute Zoom call and I can call it a day as opposed to travel and all this kind of nonsense that just isn't ultimately necessary. CES, though, feels a little different. I think it's probably because I have a lot more of a personal attachment to the show, right? So this year, if I would have gone, if it was happening, it would have been my 10th CES in a row. Man. And CES for me has always been almost less so about the products and more so an excuse to go catch up with all of sort of the the YouTube guys who I've hung out with forever. Like, it's just, it's it's a little sad. But that being said, there are still things being announced. There are a lot of rumors about like new uh, NVIDIA GPUs supposedly on the laptop side. There's a lot of these concepts that are floating around. And 
The weird thing is because it's all virtual, CES is almost being kind of like extended because usually CES is like, you know, uh, five, six days or so. And sometimes there's a little bit ahead of time, but it basically seems like it's a full two weeks where companies are spreading out because they know they have the time. They're not going to get buried. Everyone's just kind of like, okay, we're going to announce our laptops here and then Lenovo's tomorrow and Asus is the next day. So you're getting a lot of like stuff booked in but it's over a longer period of time because people aren't constrained by like we've got to get everyone in three days and completely burn ourselves and everybody else out exactly yeah which is nice right yeah but uh, yeah it's just it's one of those things where one of the nice things of ces is that there are a lot of products that aren't worth you know going to a keynote for and all this kind of stuff that is still interesting, right? You walk the show floor, you find some random thing. Like I remember like five, six years ago, I was walking around and I saw this thing called USB type C. I'm like, what's that? And talking with the people who are developing it, like, yeah, it's going to be big in a couple years and all this kind of stuff. Turned out it ended up being a pretty good upgrade. It's like, Mm -hmm. you don't have that kind of experience when you're looking through a hundred, you know, vendors or a thousand vendors on the CES website thinking, hmm, what do I want to sit down and watch for the next couple hours? It's, oh, so just, it's like, not the same experience. The way it's working is so you're getting contacted like you always would from the companies that you know and they want to show you what they've got. But otherwise, yep. you can look through a list and see a bunch of times and then just go and look at these companies' presentations. Exactly, that yeah. Sounds so, horrible. <laughs> that's really bad. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of them are uh, like, yeah, actual live presentations. But then I believe that they're being saved so you can like go back and watch them for a few days or whatever you still have to like register for ces and everything too so it's like it's a it's a weird hybrid approach Uh, it's fine i very much hope that we go back to a real in-person ces for next year because out of all the trade shows that sort of are on the circuit every year ces i think one of the shows that really does benefit from being in person to be able to put your hands on the products try the concepts see the random crazy robots and all just the the nonsense that might not be practical but it just is what makes ces special yeah i think that's one of the real things that we're losing this year by not having in person which obviously for very understandable reasons right i mean ces was one of the last in-person events i did last year in fact the last in-person event i've done since then um but yeah i think that the show is definitely lesser because you don't have that sort of in-person experience that i don't really feel the same about a lot of the other like more targeted launches that have uh, been going on over the last 12 months so is there any way for you to like have a quote-unquote booth-like experience like these companies that are just quote at ces this is very hard to Mm. explain can you just (laughs) like go and say uh show me what you got no. Right. Okay. No, there's not like a uh, some rep in front of a webcam for eight hours a day and you you jump on a Zoom call with them and ask. It doesn't – as far as I know, there's nothing like that. Uh, I am involved with a couple of like launch events. Um, I'm hosting one that's going live next week. There's a couple things that are going on from my perspective, but it's not it's not the same, right? It's just not the same, which is fine. Obviously, we all have to make do with you know the the circumstances, but no, it's it's just honestly a lot of press releases, a lot of pre-briefs. It's stuff that you'll see trickle out on the verge every day for the next two weeks, and that's fine. And honestly, I think that's the way that most people experience CES anyway. But from the inside, it just, it feels weird. It just feels weird that 10 years ago, how different everything is. And I don't know, I was uh, this morning, um, like Judner, like your average consumer and like Marquez, everyone started tweeting all these old photos of all of us hanging out at CES. 
And I got to say, I'm feeling, I'm feeling it right now, man. I'm feeling like, ah, oh, I wish it was there. I wish it was, uh, yeah, I, don't I don't know what you mean. I don't know. Like, so for, for me and like, typically this has been WWDC, right? Like that's mm-hmm. the thing where like a, we would, there's like a whole big thing. Like you would come in, but for a day, but I would stay there for like yeah. a week, which is more similar to how, um, mm-hmm. CES would have been for you, right? Like it's a longer experience and people would be there for longer and you might like stay in some hotel rooms with your friends or what whatever, right? Like it's of more of more of like a thing like that. But yeah, it's it's this actually um well before I want to come back to that, uh are you expecting anything of interest from CES this year though? Uh not anything crazy. Okay. No. Um uh, like I said, I've 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 been pre-briefed on some things that are kind of cool, and uh, we'll oh, so there's some stuff we have... can't talk about yet. We'll come back to that then. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. yeah. I think we can talk. Like, there are a few things, but I will say nothing mind-blowing. Which, to be fair, that's the what the way CES always is. There's never like it's been a long time before I've been genuinely blown away by stuff. It's like a lot of like, oh, that's cool. Oh, that's interesting concept. Oh, like that'll be nice. Nothing crazy, but yeah, I do think that CES as a show has kind of lost slowly relevance over the years i mean a lot of the big companies have pulled out of the wildly expensive booths a mm-hmm. lot of companies like samsung are sort of masters of their own destiny and they set terms. their own events yeah. exactly yeah which is fine right like, that makes sense right so it's like for me ces has become more of a curiosity show of being surprised with things that you know if i'm looking through a ces exhibitor registry i'm never gonna look twice at you know, this company, but when you walk by the booth, you're like, what is that? And then they spend five minutes pitching you and you go, oh, you know what? I'm very happy. I just learned that this is a thing that exists, even though it might be crazy and weird. It's going to make a cool video or yeah. I just want to experience it. So let's talk about tech events for 2021, right? So we're before any event has happened. There's events around the corner uh, and then there's, it's just going to keep trickling out from there. I've right, My expectation is we're going to have more tech mm-hmm. events, quote-unquote, in 2021. Okay. Because they're going to be online events, and it's so much easier for companies to make these videos and share them and get everyone looking at them rather than continuing to need to do all of the logistics of bringing people in. So, like, yeah. I think what Apple did towards the end of the year last year, I think they would do a similar kind of thing. Again, I would expect we'll probably have five or six online events from apple this year at least i reckon we'll get one in the spring then one in june and then maybe another two or three towards the end of the year because mm-hmm. products that maybe wouldn't have you know like they only really needed to do one event at the end of the year but they did three <laughs> right which was great it was fantastic from a from a we have cool stuff to talk about um but i think that that is a for as long as companies will continue doing these, I think they will continue spreading them out because you get more attention for every product. You know, like yeah. the the iPad Air and the update to the original iPad got way more time in people's minds than it would have as a footnote to the iPhone event. Yeah, absolutely. If that's where they would have announced it. I think it's going to be really interesting to see because, yeah, I, I agree. I think, you know, we were talking about Z Flip, right? Z Flip normally wouldn't probably have warranted its own event, 
But maybe this year it gets a 30 minute little mini unpacked that, yep. you know, goes live on the Samsung YouTube channel, right? Like I could totally see that happening. I will say for me personally, it is hard to imagine attending any in-person events this year, maybe at the end of the year, but it's mm. hard to imagine events even happening, right? Yeah. Like I just... None of the big ones will happen for sure, right? There's going to be no yeah. Google I.O., no WWDC, mm-hmm. um, yep. no uh, Microsoft Build. None of those are going to happen because the scale's too large. Mm-hmm. Um, the as you, I agree with you at most, maybe towards the end. Of, you know, I could imagine an iPhone event, maybe? maybe, maybe. I don't know though. I think I mean, there's certainly value. Like, I mean, I think Apple and you know all these companies realize that there's value to giving people hands on with products, right? You know, like you watch the event. And three hours later, you watch the MKBHD video on the, you know, the first impressions. And I mean, that's that's a valuable thing that sort of exists, right? I, I know we'll get back to that. But like, look, I could imagine September, October, they could have a situation where they're like, okay, we're doing an event. You just need to show us your vaccination certificate and you can come. Maybe. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I I kind of feel like it might be a little longer. That's like outside. I mean, I I I think probably none in 2021, but that's like the yeah. first kind of thing I could imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Like I would be surprised if CES 2022 uh is semi back to normal and it's uh you know, it's happening in person and everything like that. I can I can buy that, but I kind of think a lot of events should probably stay online. I I think mm-hmm. that there's a lot of value to doing an online event and seeding out devices to, you know, a, a selection of media and, and podcasters and YouTubers and calling that a day versus spending millions and millions of dollars on these huge splashy events, which are have always, in my opinion, been of dubious value. But especially yep. now with the risks that are attached, I just yep. think there's a lot of things that, you know, what just do, uh, you know, a, a 30 minute pre-recorded stream or whatever or do it in person, but don't invite everyone like that's it's fine. Like I don't think that that is going to be a bad way to go. I think that 2020 has proven that there are lots of benefits in doing this, and it is not yeah. needed to bring all these people together. Like it isn't. Like mm-hmm. you don't need 35 YouTube hands-on videos. You maybe <laughs> need three, right? Yep. And yep. You as a company will still get the exact amount of benefit you were hoping from it, and mm-hmm. you can get legal agreements from three or four YouTubers to send them advanced hardware, like, and it will be fine. Absolutely. You can do that. And that's something that, so just to peek behind the curtain a little bit, traditionally, that is what a lot of companies do, right? Either we will be able to get hands-on of devices, or oftentimes we will go to a pre-brief. We'll go physically to like a lockdown little office and they will show us the latest phone or laptop or whatever, you know, a week before the actual event. So that when the event goes live, boom, we, the embargo lifts and my S20 video goes live or whatever yeah. the case is. And you right? can see that that's how these videos have been done uh, in the pre-COVID time, right? Because yeah. there's n- everybody gets a video of the Samsung phone that goes live as the keynote's beginning. And yeah. <laughs> you can very clearly see that you're all in the same place because sometimes there's Austin <laughs> in podcast's <laughs> video, right? Like you can see it, yeah. it's over there. So like, <laughs> you know, it, there is a precedent for that. They can build a precedent which is similar of like, we bring people in advance and then we just don't bother bringing anyone on the day because mm-hmm. is there even a need? I don't think so. Yeah. 
I will say, and I was actually listening to to Cortex uh, a couple weeks ago, and mm-hmm. I know you guys were talking about this, but just the idea of travel going forward, right? I can't imagine myself personally ever traveling again as much as I did in like 2018, especially 2019. I just think that it's changing not only just personally for me, but also just the amount of stuff that I used to think I needed to do. And now that I've realized how easy it is to replace with online events, I don't think I'm going to go back. I don't know how much sort of you feel about this, but it, it seems like it doesn't it's not as necessary as no. I think we were all convinced that it was before. Yeah, there was a lot of travel that I thought I had to do that I didn't need to do. And mm-hmm. now I think I am much more used to not doing it. It's kind of surprising how fast things can start to feel normal. And, yeah. you know, this is the longest I have not been on a plane in like probably 10 years. Same, same. No, it actually absolutely is the same for me. It's funny. It feels weird. And I think that we're getting into like, you know, privileged, like, oh, I love traveling and how great my life is. But like, it is weird to get like, you kind of like convince yourself that you need to do all these things. And look, there was certainly a point in time where we both had to go to all of the events we could possibly go to, to meet people and to make content. And like, I know I look back on the years of events that I've done and very few of them do I regret going to, right? It's always like, oh, at least I met this person or, oh, I got to go and do this or that or it was fun. Like, there are all these advantages, but I do think there's a certain point at which that doesn't matter as much, right? No. Like I would love to go and hang out with you know all of my YouTube buddies every two months at this event and that event, but like ultimately – do I need to? Like, I can also just see you every three or four months, right? And skip this event or skip that event. Or Yeah, it's not about saying that these things shouldn't exist because they should mm-hmm. exist for the reasons that we mentioned earlier of people being able to network and especially people that are new in the industry. But it doesn't need to be as frequent Yes, to get that yes. benefit. And at a certain point, there is a diminishing return, which I think is where everyone had gotten to. Mm-hmm. Which is a weird thing, but I think it's 2020 in a lot of ways has sort of opened my eyes to how different isn't necessarily bad. And while there was certainly a lot of bad that came with 2020, I do think that there are some things that all of us are going to take forward that can be improvements that can make sort of our lives simpler and easier and better when we realize that, hey, you know what? We don't always have to go above and beyond to do this and that when sometimes a quick little Zoom call will do the job just fine. I don't necessarily want to live in that world forever, Mm -mm. but maybe there's a happy medium instead of all or nothing.